Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And our guest tonight, oh, she is awesome. She's back. Former Pentagon. So actually, I think you were still working for the Pentagon when we had you on last time, Indira. But uh, anyway, I'm going to let Father introduce her and, and bring her in. But let's get started with a prayer. And always, 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 we turn that over to Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. And thank you again, everybody out there who supports and encourages and prays for us at the U.S. Grace Force. Everything that you're doing to help us is really helping us. So please keep it up. Uh, again, your prayers are most important. So please continue to pray for us. Keep us, you know, tuck us a little bit in those rosary beads, if you don't mind. I would say make a little sticky note, you know, and a good friend of mine told me this years ago, a little sticky note there, fold it up and tuck it in the mantle of Mary's little, you know, little creases here in her mantle, right? That's a good place because then if you forget to pray for us, you've already turned it over to Our Lady and that's pretty powerful. So thank you for all that. Those who help us out to the Patreon program, thank you for that as well. Please, if you're interested, we hope and pray you will consider supporting us through Patreon. Click the link in the description below. Powerful way to help us continue to get this message out in this cancel culture time that we're living in. So far, thanks be to God, we haven't been canceled. We're trying to be careful with our message while still getting out that message clearly and boldly. Also, don't forget to check out the U.S. Grace Force gear page for the really cool t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, men's styles, women's styles. Great stuff out there that also helps support this work. And Father, this is, again, one of our favorite guests. And every time we go out to Washington, D.C., she shows up out there yep. at the at the Rosary Coast to Coast rally because she used to work out there in the Pentagon. So she's got all this really cool inside information that uh, we know she can't share everything with us. But anyway, Father, I'll let you introduce our guest tonight. Well, I, it was an ordination, wasn't it, Indira, when we first met? You came yes. out for ordination yeah. Yeah, uh, a number of years ago, I don't know, four or five years ago, whatever it was. And uh, you just introduced yourself, and it, automatically we just hit it off. <laughs> you know, we were like simpatico, and, um, and, then, and then you introduced yourself and said, yeah, I work at the Pentagon. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and she's a uh, lieutenant colonel. Recently retired within the last year, right? And yes. uh, and now working for a major corporation. And if you want, you can go into that if you want. But yeah, um, I, I you know I got to I did just over twenty years um, in the army as a signal officer and had you know multiple commands deployed to Iraq. Just you know did did as much as I could possibly do um, whatever the whatever was asked for. Married a guy who also serves still today. He'll be hopefully retiring here in the next year. And we just we had a really great experience, um, all things being said. Uh, when I decided to retire, I ended up staying in my field as a cyber IT professional. And now I work for a multi-billion dollar global company that, specify, that works specifically in the um, data management and cyber, uh, how do we say, data-centric hybrid cloud uh, is how we would say it in the nice. industry. So yeah. it's just been a blast. I mean, a fantastic transition and, and loving the new gig as well. Nice. You know, and here we are. Um, we're two days away. So we're recording this uh, before, but when this airs, we're two days away from the consecration. 
And, uh, and we, we've been talking about this and um, will the consecration trigger something? You know, we hope it does. But I think one of the things that we're really hoping it does is that it, a blazing fire gets in all of us. And we've been working on this uh, 90 days to peace here. I'm going to do a little uh, promotion here, but there's the journal we're using for a, tune, a tool, but uh, peace through strength. What's amazing too, I want to just stop and say this, is that I, I've used that uh, Reagan quote, to, we maintain the peace to our strength, weakness only invites aggression for years. I love it. And it's so true, especially in the spiritual realm. But um, uh, I conceived putting this whole thing together like back in August of last year and in the title of the of the prayer journal. And and just as it's coming out, I mean, I, I don't know what you guys think, but every every commentator on the news is is talking about the need for peace through strength, you know that we're, that evil it feels like it's it's his time and and he's just waltzing in like like uh, no problem because we're weak is is what a lot of people are saying. So that's kind of the, in the geopolitical realm, um, but it's so true in the spiritual realm. So anyway, we I, we were talking leading up this show, uh, Indira, we were talking about how. You know, it is important that we pray first. That's absolutely essential. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. We have to reach out to God. We have to pray. But then we talked about, but it can't stop there. I mean, it's got to, it's got to move then into the action that we're all called to do. So prayer that, that inspires action. Uh, so can you give us some of your thoughts? Because you some great ones when we were talking off the air. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is, I mean, this is definitely the time to get serious in your prayer life. And yep. I know for me, a big port, a big part of my military career, I, I can actually connect some of the most important moments to very specific experiences that I had within my faith journey. Um, and I didn't shy away from them. I could have so easily done that. I could have had that experience and be like, Instead of not today, Satan, it would have been like, not yet, God, and <laughs> kept on doing what I wanted to do. But it, for whatever reason, you know, the grace was channeling through in a way where I was finally open and ready to respond. And so as my prayer life developed, largely in part by watching great folks like you guys on YouTube when I was deployed or away from my family, and instead of surfing, you know, the internet and watching garbage YouTube channels, I was actually trying to find like... Are there shepherds out there that I could listen to? Because the ones that I might be having have available to me right now, like they weren't, I wasn't getting that food, that spiritual food that I was so desperately desiring. And so for me, it's, it's not, I end up now having these conversations as my faith is developing more and more. And you're like, I've, I'm reading, I'm actually reading and ingesting my catechism for the first time. I mean, I, I, I was a catechist. I'm a trained catechist for K through eight, at least. I mean, I should have most of the basic tenets down cold, but the reality is when you want to, when you read something, you know, as a child, you, you, you deal with it as a child, I'm an adult and I want to deal with the catechism as an adult so I can lead my friends and my family right. to heaven with me. You know, at the right. end of the day, you start to realize like these realities are real and I can end up at one or two of these places. I know which one I want to go to. And I want to bring everybody with me that I possibly can. So it's all about making sure you're motivated. Prayer. I like to, what we were talking about earlier, I said, people will say, well, 
prayer is everything, right? That's, that's the whole crux. I don't need to do anything else. My prayer is the most important. And I would say it's not prayer is everything, but it's prayer is everything. And it has to motivate you to action. Right. When, you know, if I'm watching the news and I'm getting all spun up with all of this really negative stuff that's happening in our country, that's happening to our freedoms, specifically our ability to practice our faith and to speak our mind and, you know, not, not my personal truth, like the actual truth. Like, right. <laughs> you know, I want to be able to, to enjoy all of those rights. I have to figure out a way to defend them, you know, right. in a way that maybe only I can do. And each one of us, we have to start looking in the mirror when we're looking for someone to help us out of this mess that we're in. Right. Yeah, I think the idea of prayer followed by action, I I don't know. I mean, as a husband and father, I, I pray, but I, do I have to act on that? I mean, I pray to be a good husband, but do I have to actually do things to be a good husband? Yeah, obviously facetious here. Uh, <laughs> And I think that's, but I think that's where a lot of people are, especially with what's going on in the world right now. Whether it is, you know, what we see happening uh, in Ukraine right now with the war and the talk of World War Three and nuclear this and that, or whether we see what's happening in our own country with the, you know, the attack on our freedoms, school board meetings to problems in yes. parishes and churches and leadership there. No matter where we are, there are people out there who are simply saying, "Well, I just want to bury my head in the sand." A lot of living in a bubble. I think, and they don't necessarily want to get involved or to them, it's just a matter of, well, if I'm praying that, that, that kind of covers it, doesn't it? Um, and I would, I would contend that no, that's, as we're saying here, the most important part to begin with, but that there does have to be some sort of action. It's kind of like, Father, isn't there something in, in the scriptures about um, being doers of the word, I think right. is the term. Yeah. I mean, we're called to do, to act out, to live the gospels as well. Right. Um, this, this title, will the consecration trigger something? I, you know, Father, I agree with you. I hope it triggers this fire of the Holy Spirit in everybody. Now, I heard this come across to me today, and I, I just get, get both your reaction. And I, I didn't bring this up before because I kind of want to get a realistic reaction. Okay. Someone said to me, they believe the possibility that this consecration will trigger and empower Putin and that, that that will help him win the war because he's the only one standing in front of the New World Order, which was just mentioned at the time we recorded this yesterday by Joe Biden in a speech. He mentions it a couple of times that we have to lead the New World Order from the U.S. and so forth. So I throw this out there. We're talking about triggering something. And, I, and I, I don't know that that would be the answer. I'll just jump in first on this. I think at the very least, it could trigger. And I'm going to hold my breath a little bit, everybody. Please be patient with me. I Until I hear how the consecration is done, the wording and all of this, I'm, just, I'm still so stung by the Pachamama incident and other <laughs> things. That's so why I want to know, is this in, is it the invitation an asker or is it a tasker? Because if he's, if he's not tasking all of them to be there and it's just asking politely to join in if you're available, I mean, yeah. I just want to know, can, can we get a straight answer? Is this an asker or a tasker? Yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. And I think until things unfold, I mean, I'm, I want to be hopeful. I really do. I'm not negative. I'm not pessimistic, but I'm not overly optimistic. I'm just a realist. And because we've seen track record of confusion in some areas, I just pray and I hope and pray that it's, that it is good. However, regardless, you know, father, you and I, when we had father Ripperger on some time ago, when we talked about 
what he sees in the world. He used the expression that sometimes we see things in the government even or in the world that look like the demons reacting to an exorcism and they begin to stomp their feet like a, like a child and they start causing trouble and throwing a tantrum. Like a and cat I'm, in water. What was that? Like a cat in water trying <laughs> to get out. Exactly. Yeah. And I wonder if the blessed mother is invoked in this way and if it is legit and good and holy and wonderful, if that will not stir up the diabolical and that that could be what the trigger is to them, and we could see this this rise in the battle, which I believe needs to happen. And as the triumph of the Immaculate Heart will take place sooner or later, I just don't think it's going to be done. And I think Father Ripker agreed with us too on this one, Father, that it would not be done without some real serious battle and chaos in the process, which we already know we're in the thick of. But I'm curious what you two might think about this idea that this consecration might actually trigger Putin, and in such a way he is empowered and wins this battle in Ukraine. Is that pretty far reaching, you think? Or what are your thoughts? Well, I'm thinking, what if, remember, I, I, Putin is not Russia. Mm. What if the trigger is for Russia, the sovereign people of Russia? What if they finally actually take up their cross and start doing what is their due diligence? You know, I think one thing that America, you know, we, we've had, uh we've been doing a really good job for a long time you know but but we're getting tired we're getting lazy we're getting fat and we're forgetting you know who's really responsible to run this country and it's the people and i just i, I love what you're saying and i think it's a fun topic to you know talk about but honestly what if it's not putin per se what if it was the people and the people could organize and the people could get rid of a dictator who has been there for a very long time who there's there by no argument is he's not a good guy you know could he have a massive conversion i mean hey king david had you know a couple <laughs> so i mean anything is possible i want to be hopeful but my hope right now rests in our lady and turning the hearts of millions in that country rather mm. than just one Mm. You know, I um, as I'm listening to you guys, I'm thinking about, you know, how this might play out. First of all, <clears throat> I'm not there yet, and I have limited information. I don't have inside intel or anything like that. But just from a 30,000-foot view, um, I'm looking at this, and I'm going, okay, you know, Putin wins the war. Uh, now, he came into a sovereign country with tanks. And, uh, and at least the optics themselves, you know, you can talk about reality all you want, but the optics themselves uh, was he's an aggressor uh, of, of people who are choosing to remain uh, free, uh, you know, live in liberty. That's at least the optics. Either, you know, everybody's in on it as New World Order, as Joe Biden just said, um, and they're driving the message. I'm not there yet. I'm not mm. there yet, but, but uh, you know, what might win? I don't know if you guys uh, heard that there's a icon in Moscow that's uh, actually weeping and even crying. And I actually uh, went online and looked for a similar one. And uh, I didn't bring it to my podcast room. <laughs> I wish I did. Maybe I'll go get it. Uh, but... Uh, it's beautiful, but what it is, it, you, you look at it, you go seven um, sorrows uh, mm -hmm. is the image, but the but the image from the um, from their language is uh, Virgin Saint Mary softener 
of evil hearts. Hmm. That's what they call it. Isn't that cool? Like Softener that. of evil hearts. <laughs> that's a nice title. Now, now, what if that's what's going to be going on with this consecration? You know, that, that, that the evil, you know, whether you're talking about New World Order or whether you're talking about Putin or whatever, um, that th there's this softening that goes on uh, of, of evil hearts. I'm, I'm actually going to put this on our Marian altar uh, in church and, and let it be a, a, one of the ways in which we're going to pray. I'll do a novena, the, the seven sorrows and all that. Of course, um, Father Ripperger is a huge fan of seven sorrows. But <clears throat> anyways, um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, will it trigger something? I still want to keep hope alive that it's going to trigger, you know, something good. You know, uh, maybe a softening of evil hearts. I don't know. What What do you think, Indira? I mean, if if that's the case, there's a lot of evil hearts to go around, <laughs> even right. outside of Russia. I love <laughs> right. that idea. Um, you know, trying. You know, we went from turning one heart with Putin to all of the Russian people, you know, to now basically every maniacal follower of Satan in this world that we're living in. That would be fantastic. I like, I like those numbers, father. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Doug, and what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I think the comets are coming father. I think, <laughs> I think, I think we're done. Asteroids are on their way to yeah. the planet. No, I, <laughs> No, people, I, people understand, I do not. I am not a doom and gloomer. I'm not. Uh, no, I look no. at the, just the reality. I remember a priest years ago saying, um, uh, oh, this was probably 15, 20 some years ago, and he was celebrating Mass here in Lincoln. Well, not here in Lincoln. I'm sorry, where I used to live in Lincoln. And he said that nations have to atone for the damage they've caused. And at the time, I think the abortion rate in America was, I don't know, some 25 or 30 million. We've exceeded 60 to 65 million. And those are the ones that are counted. Those are the reports that we get from the people that do the abortions. And I don't know how you can necessarily trust them considering all that has come out in the last several years regarding right. you know, selling the body parts, hidden cameras and all this. So I, I would assume it's a lot higher. Or abortifacients, exactly. Yeah. You know, we, don't, we can't even count those. You know, the, no one even knows for sure. Uh, no way to count them. But th just the fact that America, I do believe we are still this, this, this amazing, incredible beacon of hope and truth in many, many respects, we're hurting, we've been wounded, we're limping, we've got scars and all this all over us, but there are still so many amazing people in this country and the potential with our, the way our constitution's written, Bill of Rights and all these pieces of our, of our history and our, and our country that are so powerful and can do so much for the whole world. And I know, Indira, that was something that you had talked about before we started recording here that you wanted to address a little bit about just the fact that we need a new or a re-education for American people to understand really what our Constitution is all about and freedoms, what it means to truly um, you know, appreciate them and live them. Uh, can you speak a little bit about what you meant by all of that? Well, I mean, we have just... Over the past, I'm going to go out and say over the past 50 years, we have completely eradicated civics from our public education system. So unless you come up in a household where the Constitution and the Bill of Rights matter, you'll likely never hear about it and you'll certainly never read about it. Uh, maybe a blip in a history class, maybe, but even that's not confirmed. I am currently the mother of a seventh grader and a ninth grader. They haven't received any education from the public school system. And we've attended several since, you know, we're a military family and we PCS every few years. 
So all that they understand, they've learned from home. They've gotten it from us. And I just think that's this is a huge travesty. Okay, this is this is how you destroy a nation. You convince the people that all of the God-given rights that the country was built on no longer matter. That the the tyranny of a king that we escaped, you know, we were able to fight a war and win in order to escape that tyranny. We've essentially given that power back to our elected officials who almost never fully represent us. Mm. Because the, you know, there it's a world full of lukewarm moderates. Right. That's what makes them better than everyone else, because they can listen to both sides. But, you know, in my view, that's just code for I'm willing to allow equal parts of good and equal parts of evil to exist in everything that I do. And I don't like that. I don't I won't conform to that. And I'm trying to teach my children that the world actually, as much as it would lead you to believe that it's full of shades of gray, most things that matter are black and white. Mm. And so you've got to figure out what side of that fence you're going to stand on. Um, because the gray, the shades of gray are infinite. You know, you'll get lost. You'll get lost in a heartbeat. That world will devour you and you won't even know that it's happened. So let me, let me jump in. I'm really curious to hear, what do you think about those people that say that the constitution is, is a living, is a living thing and it should change and it, you know, amendments should be dropped and this, like the second amendment should be done away with and so forth. It's garbage. Yeah. It's an edict. It's an edict that has served us well because of how it was written. You can add to it, but you should never take away from it. Right. So, well, it so-called comes... progressives do the same thing with canon law. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so yeah. my thing right now is I think you know, our lady was right. You know, everything starts uh, for a real conversion for someone who's truly seeking Christ. You can get there faster through the rosary. Mm. And that, that was a big game changer for me. Um, I, I definitely kind of had to go through that journey by myself and thank God for good priests who understood what I was doing in the military. These were army chaplains. Um, and they really respected my role as a leader, as a battalion commander. They saw what I was going through and their advice was like, like don't, don't take your family necessarily with you. You're going at a much faster pace in your conversion and it has to attract people to you to include your family. You know, don't let it ostracize your husband. Because my husband and I, I mean, we go to church, we were daily mass goers and stuff too, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have, if your heart's not fully given over to our Lord. And so- well, I, My understanding is at that time, you you were levitating, bilocating, and this- I was bilocating, that's this true. halo was appearing over your head, but not your husband yet. Is that is that true? No, so he wasn't. you know, we grew up together. We met when we were 15. And the beauty of marrying someone that you've known since you were 15 years old is that in your 40s, you sometimes still argue like you're 15. And so, <laughs> so you really got to be patient with each other. That's, you know, why marriage is a sacrament, because you need the extra grace to survive it. So, <laughs> but, so, but it was great. It was great advice because I didn't stop trying to pursue Christ. But my family kind of got the option to see what I was doing, and mm. I invited them to join me. And praise be to God, my my husband was very willing. You know, he I know a lot of spouses where they would be like, "I'm not there yet," and you know what, we can't be together anymore because I don't even uh, know you anymore. You're you're right, completely right. changed. Now you're changing for the better, but your spouse may not see that, may not be ready for that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're still, it's still a journey and we're still working together, but like, you know, we just celebrated our 22nd anniversary in February and nice. that is because we had a third person in our marriage and his name was Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good. That's you know? good. So, but kind of circling back, um, 
we got to get motivated. Mm. You know, we can't get angry and stay angry alone in our houses. It's time for us to be motivated to action with that righteous anger. It's time for that constant state of prayer that we're seeking. If we're, if we are getting there, let that be the beginning, not the end of our action. Let that prayer, you know, fortify us for the battle that truly lies ahead that where we're going to have to use our hands Um, whether, and you know, there's a lot of ways that we would do that. If you're going to write a letter to your congressman, do that, but then publish it in the paper and put it all over social media and all over their pages, whatever, you know, media they're running, take up space, be heard, be seen, talk to your friends, keep it grassroots, you know, and and do whatever you can. And that's kind of what, that's what we're trying to do now. Nice. Mm. So, so, and it's beautiful. And Dira, um, and I do think, you know, yes, we got to pray so that we, what, what we do is we get close into God and that's where we can hear him. I've been saying this and that's kind of the way I introduced the whole journey that we're on right now, the 90 days of peace and the prayer journal that we're using, the peace through strength prayer journal. But the idea that I think we're doing religion well, we're fill, or you're checking the box, but I think everybody is is managing God instead of letting God manage them. Because if you get close into God, you start to hear Him, and that's when you get you 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 all of a sudden hear. Here's the mission He wants me to do. Here's an action He wants me to take. You know, here he, you you start yes. getting that, and it becomes clear to you. Oh, you, you can't can ignore that. it. You can't ignore it. I mean, you can't just, ignore it. Yeah, if I you hear- get close, and that's why people don't want to get close to God. Right. It's a huge burden. You know, like they, they, they want, um, they want the benefits of the cross without the weight of the cross. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. Know? And mm-hmm. it, you, I would just, you know, we have to encourage each other to not be afraid and to pick up that yoke. Your reason why you're feeling, if you are in the position where you're feeling that you're being compelled to do something, you've got to keep pulling that thread because that's not you. That is definitely the Holy spirit because yeah. you, especially if you've really focused your prayer life and you're investing the time, I mean, and we were pulling all the stops. Uh, we would continue to do that as a family, you know, daily mass, daily rosary, go into adoration, you know, pulling crazy hours at adoration. Why? Because we want to be holy? No, because we were just feeling compelled to do it. Well, and well can, I, can I interject real quick? What you were doing and even your service in the military and everything is what I like to call you were building your mortification muscle. That, that, yeah. That's the term I coined. But, but I always liken mortification, so dying to self for, for a greater cause, for, for the other person, all that, is something that we got to get strong in. Here, here's a yeah. phenomenon that I've noticed in my going on 34 years of priesthood, is I call it the uh, first child syndrome. And so young parents, and they have their first kid, you can't ask them to do anything because <laughs> they are consumed by this first child. But some of the most active people in in my parishes I've noticed over the years are the families that have 11, 12 kids, you know, Uh, because why? Over all those years, they've had to strengthen their mortification muscle, their self-denial, so they become good at it. And and so it it becomes easier for them uh, to take on what God wants to give us. So that's kind of what we, we, you know, we call the prayer first yes but then to action and it's tough for some people whose mortification oh, muscle is weak right now yeah so you just got to press in through like resistance training 
pressing through, get better and better at it, like the family with 12 kids that's the most active ones in the parish that there is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I had a couple of Catholic friends of mine, that, and they're all, I think, like, they, they're just, they're amused, sort of, of <laughs> with my my journey and my practice, which is totally fine. I don't care. I, it's, I, I'm going to wear them down like a drip of water nice. on a rock, right? It's going to happen. <laughs> um, but you know, it's John 3.30. I have to decrease so he can increase. And exactly. I didn't fully understand mortification. I was doing things that were mortifying, um, but I had no idea. And it would be like little things like, I'm going to read the entire catechism. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. not going to stop, you know, and be very disciplined with it and read a certain amount, you know, um, make just ridiculous mm. commitments to go to adoration at ridiculous times. Why? Because I need it to be hard because I want it to be um, a certain element of suffering because I want God to know that like I, I need help and I'm willing to do this if you'll give me more grace, give me more help, give me more faith, give me more strength. Um, and so it just doesn't feel, it's not really a chore because like I said, it's this nagging pull where it's like, Indira, it doesn't get easier. Know. You just get better. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I remembered. Yes. <laughs> it never gets easier. You just get better. I love yeah. it. I love That's it. That's in the yeah. military, right? That comes from the military. That's ah, CrossFit doctrine, but you know, same, same. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the military. <laughs> Yeah, but we got to start getting, and we can't look at mortifications as like um, a necessarily, it, I do think it's a part of the path to holiness, but really it's so much more than that. It's really more of like, I need to create more space inside me for God to, and to take up more space inside me, you know? And, and so I have to get, so for like Lent, you know, that was one of my friends giving me a hard time. You didn't give up anything for Lent and you think you're such a good Catholic. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And I'm like, well, what I did, what I gave up was time. I didn't give up chocolate. I didn't give up wine. What I did is I, you know, I picked up extra nasty hours, like the worst hours for adoration. And I got some spiritual reading that's really heavy, you know, like just really hard stuff that you need toothpicks to hold your eyelids up if you read it too late at night, because it's intense. And I thought that's, it's a much better pursuit than giving up chocolate or carbs this Lent. I think what I'm going to do is give up time and focus that time on trying to be a better doggone Catholic, a better follower well, of Christ, a better, you know, studier, a student of my faith. Well, now you make me feel bad because I just gave up chocolate and carbs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel like a loser over here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to change the subject here um, just because I know, you know, you we're limited on time and I know without a doubt that um, a lot of our audience, well, first of all, I know, Father, you've always pointed this out and I think it's probably reasonably accurate at least is that a lot of our audience are are good catholics i mean we talk a lot about the faith and a lot of them are, are are trying to do the things that we're talking about you know the deepening of prayer sacraments adoration and so forth um and we all need encouragement and help in that no question about it and 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 uh, that's always important but i also know that some of them are probably thinking okay wait a minute the title will the consecration trigger something and second this this is the lieutenant commander retired from the pentagon yeah, she has true. insight and then if anybody caught it at the beginning when you mentioned that you work with ai that's <laughs> artificial intelligence to whisper like joe biden sometimes does artificial <laughs> intelligence uh and you're a cyber expert and oh my gosh no i would definitely cannot be called a cyber expert but i mean cyber and it is my background um, okay you know so every, you're familiar with it all right yeah a little bit 
little bit. And so right now we're hearing in the news that there is a concern that as this conflict, this war in Ukraine looks like it's going different directions, escalating and so forth, um, there's, there's all these reports of the concern for cyber attacks. And I think maybe the average person is thinking, I don't know what to be concerned about. Am I concerned they're going to hack into my local personal computer and steal my bank account number? Um, yeah. Or you know, are they going to add money to my bank? I mean, or take away money to my bank account? Uh, or are we more concerned about uh, and even even Joe Biden said, you know, and I know we can't trust hardly anything that comes out of anybody's mouth when it comes to a press conference from the White House. And I don't say that to be disparaging, but it's just the track record. But he even stated recently that there is a concern for certain um, areas of, of the infrastructure or however he worded it with regard to cyber attacks. So I guess my question to you, Indira, is can you maybe give the audience and give us all an overview of what you think is most likely, since this is a field you've worked in, uh, yeah. both in the military and now out of the military, what is it we should be concerned about or what realistically is a concern when we're talking about cyber attacks? Well, yeah. Yes, great question. It's top of mind for so many people right now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I mean, I work in that field and you know, very, very concerned with protecting data and making sure that data is readily available for us whenever we need it, wherever we need it. Okay, so it's a valid concern. Freaking out is not a productive way of dealing with the concern. And that's kind of where we see people generally tend, tend to go. So for the average American, you know, you really only need to understand that there's two types of cyber attacks. There's the indirect impact on people's livelihood. And then there's attacks targeting your tech, basically your stuff. And you, do, you really need to focus as an average American, I think, on the latter. Um, and, and be aware of your digital footprint and where are you allowing entities to have unlimited access to your data? What is your data? What makes up your data? Well, how about if you are using Google Maps and you haven't done anything on your settings in your iPhone, you have now essentially given Google authority over knowing every single step you ever take to include the entire layout at the inside of your house, the inside of your children's schools, if they're packing cell phones and you haven't disabled this, anytime you take a photo, it's cached, it's got all kinds of geotagging on it. It could be sent to anyone, anytime. They can find out exactly where that cute little first day of school photo that you took of your child. Now they know where your child goes to school. They can start tracking when you're picking them up, when you're dropping them off. I mean, these things are now, it's readily available for hackers to get if you know with very limited very limited effort so okay Let, let's if we could stop right there just for a second um while everybody takes a deep breath and right now there you know a lot of people are going through their lives thinking okay wait a minute hold on a second um i've been doing all of this I, it, yeah so how do they go into the settings and change this so they can't be tracked or followed in these areas yeah. Well, so, you know, again, Google is, can be really dangerous for some folks if you're not paying attention to how it's monitoring you and what kind of access it has onto your device, not just Google, but any app that accesses the different functions of your devices, whether it's your video on your computer or your laptop or your phone um, or your microphone. So you'll just go, if you don't know how to do it, 
you could actually go into the internet and search, how do I disable apps on my phone? And you're going to plug in the type of phone you have, because it's going to be different if you have an iPhone or if you have a different type of operating system. But it's very, very simple. With just a few flicks of your finger, you're going to be able to at least temper the amount of information that these applications on your phone specifically are constantly sending back to servers, many of which are in China. You can actually cut that off. And then if you're really good, you know, and, and you can handle the discipline, you can just cut the access of those apps altogether. So you can look at, if you have an Apple iPhone, for example, and you go into your settings, you can even look at how often you're using certain apps. There may be apps on there that are pinging information about your location every 10 seconds. And I mean, apps as benign as the Weather Channel app actually ping your location back to their servers every 10 seconds so that if you want to look at the weather in a particular area on your phone, it knows exactly where you are. It can tell you what the weather is in your town. It can tell you the weather of all the places you, you'd like to you know, stay on top of. You need to shut that stuff off. And if you're not using the apps, cut the apps off. And if you have children with cell phones, get online, get some free classes off of YouTube because there's thousands out there for you to choose from and figure out how to lock that smartphone down and turn it into a dumb phone for the safety of your child. I'm a big advocate of technology. Both of my children have had cell phones since they were young because uh, you know that's what my husband and I do for a living. And we were in the military, so we were deployed and in the field a bit. We needed our kids to have access uh, to us immediately whenever they needed it. But we also took the time to make sure we knew how to properly secure those phones and monitor them from afar. Uh, my, my daughter's a freshman and she just, she still, I still get access to a lot of the things on her phone. Same with my son, they, they can't download anything. Uh, without my permission, unless mm. they're sneaky and crack a code, in which case they get grounded for a summer. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> oh, I, that would never happen from a teenager, would it? You know, hey, but I was able to counter that breach within three days. That's pretty good for a, a mom. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, the next question then, and sorry, Father, if I can just hit this next oh, question. Go ahead. Just yeah. around the topic. Um Infrastructure, though, we, you know, I was speaking at a, at a conference um, uh, in uh, Minnesota recently um, and several months ago, and a man sitting in the audience, we're talking about things happening in the world and concerns and threats and so forth. And should we be prepping a little bit, getting food, water, medical and so forth, which is just a good idea to do anyway, whether it's a natural disaster or civil unrest to do some of that. But as we're talking about it, he puts his hand up and he says, look, I drove up here to Minnesota from Florida. I'm in the IT field in Florida, in a small community down there, and I don't think he named it. He said there was a, a cyber attack, a hack into the water system, and they actually programmed the chemical that goes into the treatment plant to increase. Now, he didn't say how much and if it was lethal. He said when they caught it, they felt like this was a dry run type of hack to see if it could be done if they could control the chemicals, if they could change the system up and they were able to accomplish it. So they got it and they corrected it and hopefully hardened that target. But you had mentioned beforehand, water systems, power grid, banking systems in particular, that these are areas, and I think that's probably what you meant, if I'm not mistaken, Indira, about the impact that those would have on people. It wouldn't be a direct hit to me, right. but if my lights go out and I, or my power goes out and I'm, and I'm on a CPAP machine, or I have to have medications refrigerated or my food in general, the freezer, everything can go bad if the power goes and so forth and so forth. 
We just had a storm in Texas last night. At the time we record this, 47,000 people are out of power right now. So that kind of stuff is serious. If they hack the grid, though, um, I mean, that's a serious thing. So it, how, how realistic are those things? I mean, there are examples of that happening. How realistic do you think that is on a large scale? Well, yeah, I think on a large scale or infrastructure, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And unfortunately, if you look at the bills that Congress is pushing to build back better when it comes to infrastructure, the focus isn't necessarily trying to improve cybersecurity for nuclear power plants, water you know, purification facilities, uh, power grids. It's, it's really not scripted in a way to update those systems that are super legacy you know they're 40 50 plus years old mm. if you really want to stay up if you want to keep yourself up at night like and just be miserable go ahead and google the nuclear facilities in the united states find out how old they are and just take a peek at what's publicly releasable on the internet Boy, that's that, gonna make that's gonna that make us keep you awake for I was, weeks. <laughs> I was about to say that makes us all feel real good. If you want to stay awake all night, just look at our nuclear plants and how old and decrepit yeah. they are. <laughs> yeah, it just it and it really stinks because here the here's the deal: industry has actually done some fantastic things, um, and there's a lot of folks that are speaking out very loudly right now in the DOD. Some of them have left the DOD as senior civilians leaving scathing notes that were public op-eds, which, you know, there's a, you know, some people hate that and they probably will, they probably burn some bridges in, in one way, you know, by doing that. But at the on the other hand, it's like, at what point are we gonna wake up? Like you've got folks who are giving up multi-million dollar positions in industry to go and work for DOD to help shape and correct decades of, you know, sometimes mismanagement, sometimes, you know, hey, we just didn't know what we didn't know when we were putting certain architecture together. These folks are donating their time essentially to try and repair it, but our bureaucracy is so thick and the budgetary and finance type um, programs that you have to adhere to to do acquisitions in the DOD specifically are so archaic. It's impossible to turn anything around in, with any level of, you know, with any sense of quickness. It's very, very tough to do. And so those who can do it still have to do it in a very strategic way over a very long period of time, but they do it by way of connections and who they know, you know, and, and trying to build coalitions, which, hey, that's great, but it takes a long time. And we don't have a lot of time to get this stuff corrected so that we aren't worried about what Russia or China or any other near peer type of threat could do to this country, specifically from a cybersecurity perspective. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I want to, I went and got the icon and here it is. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, that, that is at, beautiful. Isn't it something? And oh. again, wow. that's called uh, Virgin Mary Softener of Evil Hearts. And of course, it's the uh, seven sorrows of Mary. The seven seven uh, arrows are there. Wow. Uh, uh, are the swords. And um, uh, also, too, Father Ripperger's ministry is um, um, Mother... What, what was it again? I looked it up to make sure. It's uh, our our sorrowful mother's ministry, so he's always believed that there's a, there's there's a power in um, the sorrowful mother of God, and so I just think we got to consider leaning on that right now, and and really call out to Mary. Um, you know, the title of of our podcast right now is you know will will something be triggered? I can't remember what it was. 
but something be mm. there it is yeah will the uh will the consecration trigger something um let's pray you know i always teach this that you want miracles in your life uh someone near and dear to me just found out they have cancer and i was just telling them the same thing um you want miracles in your life anytime that the people came to jesus for a miracle he would say do you believe i can do this yes lord and then he'd do the miracle and it was because of your faith that this happened we have a powerful intercessory uh, intercessor in our lady we have the belief that's in our heart and i i i just want to continue to keep hope alive uh, at the same time i think we need to be smart and uh you know be prepared in every way we need to I think also, uh, I'll, I'll tell you an expression, Doug and I, you, you and you know, I talked about this before, that I've, I've come to just really, well, let's just say I don't like it, uh, but it's God's got this. Mm. Now, it's it's beautiful and innocent and wonderful and we depend on God, but, but you can tell in the context that when it's spoken, it's like, okay, I can do my quick Hail Mary and then go off to the ball field or whatever. You know what I mean? Because God's got this, you know, right? Yeah. I, and this gets back to what you were talking about too, Indira, that yes, start with prayer. Let's reach out to Our Lady, particularly Our Lady of Sorrows or Our Lady Softener of Evil Hearts, as it's called in Moscow. And again, this one's actually been weeping and even bleeding recently, uh, but weeping for, for years. Um, it, it, let's, let's, let's call out to our, our mother and, and truly believe in the miracle power of God. Uh, but, but again, Let's get so close to God. Don't fear him, but so close that you can start to hear what he wants you to do, what specifically he wants you to do. Pray, but do it in, in a way, core core loquitur, you know, heart speaks to heart, right? So you get listen to God and what he wants you to do uh, with your life. Thoughts on that, Indira? Uh, you're, that was beautiful, Father. I mean, it, you made me think of that saying, everybody wants to be blessed, but not everyone's willing to be a blessing. Right. And we need to start carrying that cross. What's it right. going to take for us to be a blessing to our family, our neighbors, this right. country? And how do we take up space effectively where we're making a difference? All that prayer has to be fortifying us to do God's work. So we yep. got to roll up those sleeves and get it done. You know, I encourage people to get ready for the elections that are coming and the yes. midterms. If you aren't voting early, you're going to vote for whatever has been decided for you. Um, many of the districts right now have upwards of 10, 13 candidates running. And, you know, not all conservatives are the same. And so, you know, look for those conservatives that really believe in conserving something about this country and our way of life that is based on a Judeo-Christian ethic. No more gray, no more halfway, no more moderately, you know, lukewarm. I, we got to be done with that. Right. So write your letters, um, volunteer to do meet and greets for candidates, get to know them, get active in the political scene, because we are the sovereign in this country. Right. We are the sovereign. We cannot give up what is our spiritual duty at this point, which is to make sure that what we think is most important is what our country elected officials are following yeah. through with. And I do see some beautiful changes happening in the pro-life movement. You see state after state go ahead and like toe the line and not be worried about getting canceled. And entire states are coming up with bills to protect life. 
at conception. And praise be to God for that. We have to give folks support to speak out because you just never know. You might be talking to somebody who is the person who can carry that torch, but they need motivation too. So we have to be vocal, you know, pray out loud, pray out loud. Right. Yeah. And I like that. The, the idea that um, it's got, it has to carry over into the school board meetings, the parish council meetings and, and it's got to carry over into, you know, the protests outside, the peaceful protests outside of abortion mills. You know, we have to be engaged. We have to be public about these things. And I, I'll emphasize again what you just said, just back you up on this, too, is that, you know, with the, with the midterms coming up, you know, you, we've got to know what's going on. Um, and going back to what you said at the beginning of the program, Indira, about the need for us to even know what the Constitution is and read it. And the yeah. Bill of Rights. You know, and Hillsdale College, um, I think it's hillsdale.org. It's a, it's a Christian school, but still mm -hmm. they have so many fantastic free courses um, on the Constitution and mm -hmm. on the Bill of Rights and just civics in general for this country. Um, you know, all of the different wars that our country has gone through from its inception um, through the Civil War, you know, to you just, it's just amazing the amount of content that they put out there that is wonderful, wonderful. It's conservative and it's backed up with things that you can go out and research yourself and get a copy of the Bill of Rights and get a copy of the Constitution and educate yourself. You know, information is power, truly. And don't let someone else tell you what to believe. Don't let somebody else feed you a truth. Know the truth. Have a copy of it in hand. Right, right. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think just to, I know we're getting close to the end here, Father. I'll just say this comment too about the title, Will the Consecration Trigger Something? Um, I think it is going to. Um, I would not be surprised if we see uh, an increase of um, diabolical stomping of the feet, right. so to speak. I agree. Um, like Father Ripperger was saying, um, you know, it's kind of like when you're dealing with uh, a detoxification of the body. Um, when I was diagnosed 12 years ago with ulcerative colitis and I had to go on this incredibly extreme diet, I didn't want to take the medications because the medications were just causing side effect problems in the first three weeks. So I got rid of them. So my wife, God bless her. She did amazing research and figured out, okay, we're going to do some serious diet changes. And then a friend gave us a book, uh, called the maker's diet by a Dr. Jordan Rubin who had had Crohn's disease. And the short, long and short of this is I got onto this very extreme diet and then you start going through within the first few days, these like, they're, they're, they're like night chills, you know, and you're, you're, you're shaking and you're sweating and, and it's your body detoxifying because yeah. something good is happening. Right. And I almost think that might be some of what we see with this consecration that we're going to see. I'd be surprised if we don't see some sort of retaliation from the enemy and if it doesn't just stir things up, because I, I want to have that hope. And again, don't anybody misunderstand me. I'm just looking at the track record of things that have come out of Rome and how confusing some of the things have been that have come out of Rome. Uh, and some that have not been so confusing, they've been downright really, really upsetting, like Pachamama. And, you know, Father, you've been really good. Father, connect the dots, we like to call them. Uh -huh. uh, that October 6th, the first day of the, of the Amazon Synod, when Pachamama was introduced, is the beginning of the whole... Um, well, we can't say it on air because they'll take the show down, but the whole episode of the last two years that caused so many health things to go on, man, we got to be so vague because of our freedom of speech. And anyway, it's been attacked. Um, but also October 6th was the day that Sister Agnes Sasagawa received that message from the angel to put on ash and pray a rosary of repentance. And so right. I just think that 
We have to wait and see how it unfolds on Friday. I hope and pray it's going to be good. I want to have confidence in it. But I think regardless of what it is and how it comes out, I think it's going to trigger some sort of reaction. I would encourage all of our listeners and viewers to step up that prayer, step up that, you know, if you don't have this book uh, on the deliverance prayers from Father Chad Ripperger, or yes, the rosary, as Indira is pointing out right there, um, get into these these issues, you know, get the perimeter prayer. I got it printed out of an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper on my desk over here. I pray it every morning. I took a picture of it, so it's on my phone. Oh, you can also find it through Father Ripperger's book. It's in the book. You can go get it online. You can have access to it. The perimeter prayer where you're asking God to lay a perimeter protection around you, your family, your loved ones, your home, and so forth. Everybody, something is going to be triggered, I think. And I think it's going to be a real shakeup time that we need. I agree. And so let's do what we know, as Indira has said and Father has said so yep. clearly. Let's take it upon ourselves to own our part in this by stepping up the prayer, the rosary right. and get you know, Angela right. set the alarm on your phone to go off at noon and six or 6 yeah. AM. If you want and do that Angelus faithfully every day and, uh, and so forth. Let's and so forth. go Christian soldiers. Let's Amen. do it. Yeah. Well, listen, um, that's about our time. Uh, I, uh, pulled up the prayer to our lady of sorrows hmm. and I'd like Beautiful. to close with that if we could. Sure. And again, everyone, please consider uh, praying to Our Lady of Sorrows during this this time. Again, the consecration is, in, is just in two days. But please, uh, please consider praying. And again, the name of the one that's in Moscow is called uh, Virgin Mary Softener of Evil Hearts. So what a beautiful prayer to pray at this time. Let's pray in the name of the nice. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, most holy Virgin, Mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the overwhelming grief you experienced when you witnessed the martyrdom, the crucifixion and death of your divine son, look upon us with eyes of compassion. Awaken in our hearts a tender commiseration for those sufferings, as well as a sincere detestation of our sins, in order that being disengaged from all undue affection for the passing joys of this earth, we may sigh after the eternal Jerusalem and that henceforth all our thoughts and all our actions may be directed towards this one most desirable object, honor, glory, and love to our divine Lord Jesus and to the holy and immaculate mother of God. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Indira. This Thanks, Indira. Good to have you. It was awesome, guys. Love you. Praying for you. Please pray for me and my family and yeah. everybody who's watching. You know, let this, let that triggering in the concert in that consecration, let it be something inside of us too. You know, whatever okay. God has been putting into your heart, let's make it happen. Let's do Don't this. put it off. That's the devil telling us that it can wait. It can't yep. wait. Let's do it. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.